Welcome to Rock Solid Ministries Frontline Servants Program, where we visit with men and women on the front lines of kingdom service. For more information about our revival ministry, our free revival ministry, or to explore more of our audio and video recordings, visit our website at rocksolidministries.org. Again, that's rocksolidministries.org. Our guest today is Randy Murphy, minister of First Christian Church in Martinsville, I want to get that right, Illinois. And uh, I've known Randy, well, I don't know really how many years, but I've been doing revivals with you for a while. And this is our first time to sit down like this and just visit for a bit. I'm interested in hearing about your story, how you got into ministry, how you became a Christian, and just learn a little bit more about you, Randy. So if you would, uh, Brother Randy, tell us your story. Well, uh, I grew up in a Christian home. Um, when I was young, we went to a big Baptist church. That's where I was baptized. But when I was in about fourth grade, we started going to a, a Christian church in town. And uh, we really liked the, the preacher there. Uh, but um, it, was, it was nice being part of a, a Christian group, having a youth group together, but when I was in junior in high school, we moved to a smaller town and went to the Christian church in a neighboring town that didn't have much of a, a youth group, and uh, when when I graduated from high school, I didn't know what I wanted to do, so I got a job at a factory, and after a year in, at the factory, it was kind of like, well, this is really not what I want to do with the rest of my life, <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. And there was a, another fellow who worked there with me who uh, was into, big into transcendental meditation, you know, oh. and, and uh, he kept asking me questions about about church and everything, and it's kind of like, uh, I don't know how to answer that, you know, kind of, kind of thing. And my sister was going to uh, Central Christian College of the Bible at the time. Moberly, Missouri. In Moberly, Missouri. And they offered a, a one-year uh, basic Bible. Uh, and uh, I thought, well, that might be a place, you know, to, to get some answers. And oh. then Edsel oh. Dale, who was a professor at uh, Central, came to our church one time to promote the, the college. And, well... I was clear on one side of the church, you know, I didn't want anything to do with the the, pre the new preacher that was there or whatever. I didn't know him and wouldn't have nothing to say to him. <clears throat> he walked all the way across to the pews and chased me down, you know, <laughs> said, and shook my hand, told me, you know, that I'd make a great preacher, you know. Wow. And I was thinking at the time, yeah, right, you don't know me because I'm not going to get up there in front of people and do anything. Mm -hmm. um, but I did end up uh, going to, to Moberly. With the intent of, of being there one year. Um, just to get some answers. Just to get some answers, you know, and no intent of, of getting into ministry at all. But while I was there, they had a outreach group uh, called Puppet Praise. Yeah. Where three out of four weekends uh, during the school year went to uh, supporting churches and did uh, uh, puppet shows with uh, the Muppets. And right. We tried marionettes, but we weren't no good at that. Um, <laughs> And I really liked that, you know, and it, and it was perfect for me because, you know, you could do a ministry and you're behind a curtain. Nobody's staring at you. Nobody knows it's you, you know, uh, and that was great. 
And Perfect place for a guy who does not want to be on stage in front of everybody. Yeah. And, well, I met this girl through puppets, you know, <laughs> and uh, we we got together and, well, eventually got married. Uh, and so I was back the next year to do the same thing. Still no intent of getting into ministry. Um, and maybe that's partly because of some bad experiences I'd had in the past. Uh, um, we had an older minister that everybody seemed to like. But then the board decided they needed a younger minister at the church, which not a real, real problem or real issue. But when he got ready to move, my dad and myself were the only ones who showed up to help him move. And that's a typical and experience yeah. for a lot of ministers. No, nobody else, you know. And at that point, you know, it's kind of, I definitely don't want to do this, you know, if that's the way they they treat people. Um, yeah. I did like the uh, the next minister. We all liked him, you know. Uh, he was great. But anyway, in in college, uh, got married, kept one in, in puppets, you know. Third year, back again in puppets, and um, Wayne Kessler, one of the professors there, was in charge of the the puppet power group, and uh, you know he just kind of kept putting seeds out there, you know. Yeah, try this, yeah, try this, you know. So the next year I took a preaching class, you know. Oh my goodness, that's a step up, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, Not with the intent of actually doing this, but, you know, to go towards a degree, you know, kind of of thing. And he finally, uh, you know, talked me into uh, just doing some supply preaching, you know, just. And uh, that was kind of an experience because some of the, small little churches that, that I went to. Uh, one of them was the Disciples of Christ Church, and that was that was quite an experience <laughs> because there were some that, that wanted to break from the Disciples and others that uh, were staunch. And uh, one of the elders stood up on Sunday at a, at a meeting and said, I don't care what they teach here. You know, this is where my, my dad went, this is where my grandparents goes, and, and this is where I'm always going to go. It doesn't matter what they teach. Oh my! Whoa! <laughs> yeah. So some experiences like that kind of reinforced that idea. This may not be what I what I want to do, um, but I guess you know this, God has His way of working working things out. He funnels us, is yeah. what I like to say. We we try to go a lot of different ways, and it's wide at the beginning, and it just seems like He funnels those that are supposed to preach and puts them where they're supposed to be. So it took me five years to get a four year degree, but. No, that's all right. You should be a lot smarter than that. <laughs> I was doing a weekend ministry in a small little country church in Farber, uh, Missouri. And after graduation, we moved to, to Farber, and I got a, a job as a custodian, full-time job, and then preaching. And after a year of that, it was just uh, God laid on me, you know, you know, if, if this is what you're going to do, you know, then do it. Don't try and be a custodian through the week and and uh, preach on the weekend. So uh, I said it before the board, you know, uh, and they said, well, um, they were just content with a weekend minister. So that's when I really got into the full-time ministry. Uh, what year would that have been? That would have been uh, like uh, 81. Okay. So that, that puts it about, uh, is that... Forty years now since. Let's not date it. 
Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, since, since full-time, you were preaching before that, but I mean, as far as, as when you really made that decision to move into, and to say, this is what I am absolutely going to do. Yeah. And from there, I, I preached at several different uh, small churches. Well, if you can remember some of these, because it's so far back, brother. <laughs> well, I moved from Farber to Eminence, Missouri. I, I know Eminence, yeah. Actually, it's the West Eminence Christian Church. Okay. And that, that was a whole cultural difference, you know, because yeah. uh, they would talk about something being bad right, and it took me a long time to figure out that was something good. <laughs> you know, uh, but... Uh, People speak differently. We've learned that in revivals that all across the country. We have to learn a different language almost everywhere we go. Yeah. And from there, we moved to uh, northern Missouri to a town called Shelbyville. Uh, I, I know exactly where Shelbyville is. Yeah, we've done not revivals there, but we've done them in that area. Sure have. Yeah. And you know, that's had two boys at the time. And. Two more were born when we lived at Shelbyville. Yeah, it was just a small, small church, uh, and the parsonage was located right next to the Baptist church. Problem was, my oldest son could not say Baptist. He kept calling it the Baptist church. <laughs> <laughs> Funny story. One time, my my niece was there visiting, and there was a funeral at the Baptist church, and the undertaker and his staff were outside by the hearse. While the service was going on, and my son and my niece were outside playing with squirt guns, and they went over, started shooting squirt guns at the undertaker. I said, "That's really flirting with the undertaker, you know." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> how did the undertaker take that? Oh, he thought it was funny. Oh, that's good. He was a good guy. That's good too. Yeah. And from there we moved uh, into Illinois, which actually I was born in Illinois, but only lived there for like six months. So that was first time coming back to Illinois. And a uh, little country church about 10 miles outside of town called Cooperstown. It's over by Mount Sterling, Illinois. Yeah. Uh, since that time, they've moved into town, bigger church. But we were there for about five years. And then, uh, well, it was a power struggle because there were two families. And um, they didn't see eye to eye. And, you know, I just challenged them, you know, to make a difference, to, to decide, you know, to work things out, you know, to help the church grow, or I was leaving. And they decided to keep things as they were. And so then uh, we started looking for another church, and that's when we moved to here to Martinsville. And, uh, and do you remember what year would that have been? Okay, yeah. And it was, it was funny, that the trial sermon, you know, um, people from Illinois will understand this, but uh, they were asking questions at a congregational dinner. It's opened up for anybody to ask questions, and he's asking all kinds of different questions about what I thought about this, what I thought about that. And one of the elders finally stands up and he says, enough with all this, let's get to the important stuff. We want to know. Are you a Cub or a Cardinal fan? <laughs> I've already I've heard some of that just this week in revival. Yeah, yeah, and that just broke everybody up laughing and just kind of lightened the mood. He was a great guy. 
I really enjoyed working with him when we when we came. Uh, <clears throat> what was his name? <clears throat> Don Gard. Yeah, I don't know if I would have ever met him. No, he was gone before then. So, he, you now this is your second time here second at Martinsville. Time so, yeah. so you moved in about '91, <clears throat> and how long were you in Martinsville that time? Uh, somewhere between 13 and 15 years. I don't remember exactly. Right, right. And then you you came back again. How long ago? This is 2021, so... Uh, about 12 years ago. Really? We were talking about that last night, and, and uh, you... you I thought you were saying like seven, so you must have thought about it since we talked last night. Well... It's been longer than you, you thought. I came and I filled in. Oh, over right, year, okay. For almost two years. And they hired me part-time because I had another job. And then it just eventually led to, you know, this is... This is too much, you know, trying to get two sermons and a Bible study and and, and work someplace else is just right. too much. And, well, <clears throat> they weren't sure at that particular time because they'd lost a lot of members in the interim when I wasn't here. And to think they could uh, pay for a full-time minister, but <clears throat> I think it was Larry Hills that said, well, <clears throat> why don't we give it a try for a year? And see how it goes. Well, I've been full time ever since then. Well, Martinsville has been a church that I, I want to say this is my, well, I don't know, my sixth or eighth revival here, uh, quite a bit. But I would say for Martinsville's uh, benefit, we've uh, never, in our ministry, we've never asked for an offer, we never ask anyone to support us. And one of the elders here, and I think it was Larry Hills, contacted me. Oh, it's been quite a way back, and said we were discussing this ministry, and we would like to make you a mission. And really, uh, I never thought of Beth and I as missionaries, although it was interesting that at times people would say our missionaries this week during a revival, and I got to think one well, missionary goes into a, a place and doesn't ask anything, but is able to give. And so I guess in a way, that's what what we are. And Martinsville was the first church to ask, can we help to support your ministry? And now, of course, we have, I don't know, 14 or 16 churches and, and about that many families that help support us. And we've always been grateful to Martinsville for just stepping out and saying, we'd like to do that without ever being asked. And uh, as these other churches have done the same. but So you've been here for quite a... You put it all together. How many years does that make that you've actually ministered in Martinsville? Do some quick calculating there. I don't know, between 25 and 30, I guess. Wow, that's a long time. That is a long, that's the major part of your life in ministry, in, yeah. in preaching ministry. So um, what are some of the changes you've seen uh, in the church? And it doesn't have to be particularly this church, but just in... The, in the independent Christian church in the years that you've been in, in ministry, positive or negative, either way? Um, well, I mean, it's hard to say, I mean, because uh, different churches are, are different. Sure. Um, uh, some churches, you know, the music style has changed and that has turned people off, and others, the music style has changed. And that's got more people excited 
about right about the church. Um, well, what would you say are some of the highlights? Some of that your most most joyous times of ministry, uh, serving as a, a preacher of the gospel. Uh, just some of the church people, their generosity. It's like uh, uh, one church we were in. You know, we were just a young family, and uh, well, we didn't have a microwave. Didn't think we needed a microwave. You know, that's one of those newfangled things that some people have, but we do fine without it. And one of the elders heard that we didn't have a microwave, and he went out and bought a microwave and brought it over to the parsonage and says, "Here, this is for you." And it's like, Whoa. and now it's like microwave goes out. What are we gonna do? You know, <laughs> it just and another church. Uh, well, we didn't have a washing machine. We had an old dryer. Our washing machine went out. Well, we didn't have money to buy a new one. And the, I understand the that. Loaned us the money to buy the washing machine, and there was no hurry about paying it back. You know, no interest. You know, just wow. You know, sometimes we get so um, the bad things that happen seem to overwhelm us, and we forget about the blessings and how good God has been to us in the ministry. When we're going through a difficult time and so many ministers, they, they forget about everything else and they decide to go sell insurance. And we need to remember these times, don't you think? Yeah. That when, when we've been blessed. Yeah, it's so many different times God has blessed me in ways that I didn't think it was a blessing to begin with, but then it's like, well, for example, our house. You know, I used to drive past that house all the time, you know, think, what an ugly green house. Who paint their <laughs> really? house that drab green color? You know, now I love it, you know. Um, it's the perfect house for us, and, and it's it, it, the way God provided it is just amazing to me because, uh, well, we didn't have a lot of money, and uh, one of the uh, ladies who uh, used to come to church here had passed, well, had moved to the nursing home and her family was trying to, to sell the property and they had a, an upright freezer. So I said, well, let's, let's go to the auction, you know, and, uh, and see if we can't get that, that freezer, you know. And we had no intention really of buying the house. We've been encouraged to, to look at it. And, well, her daughter said, you know, go in and look at the house. Well, it was raining. So I said, yeah, we'll go in the house and look at it. And, it was a nice house. We thought, yeah, this, this would be okay, but we, we can't afford this. And uh, when the house came up for auction, the bid went really low. So low that the auctioneer stopped the auction, and he took the family aside to see whether or not they would take an offer like that. And he come back, and, well, they said they would. And I uh, thought, it's going for that? You know, so why, why don't we just try a bid? So bid just a little more than what had been offered. Nobody bid any more. Really? So I went to get a freezer, and I got a house. And it's the <laughs> perfect house for us. You know, it's a, it's got a big yard where we can have church dinners when there's not COVID. Right. You know, and we've got a big uh, living area, you know, where we can have Bible studies. And, you know, it's just... And it's a, a block from the church. Yeah. Yeah, you... Yeah, I have to walk to church now. Oh dear, that's good health and all that. <laughs> well, we've been blessed this week uh, to be in your home 
uh, every night during this revival. And uh, your sweet wife Carol's been making uh, supper for us every night and going to work the next day. <laughs> and uh, we really appreciate that. But it is, it is a nice, wonderful house and a place for you to have a workshop and so many uh, nice things. But as you told us, you don't have a you don't have a TV anymore. It's Grandma's TV, and and yeah, a, everything belongs to Grandma now. Yeah, everything belongs to Grandma because you got the grandkids over, yeah. and that's a, a wonderful thing too. Uh, well, tell us how how has your church coped with COVID? What have you done to adapt during this time of COVID? This is this is March of 2021 as this is being recorded. So people may be listening to this in 20 years and say, "COVID, what is that?" But who knows? So how have you, how did you deal with COVID nineteen? Well, most of our congregation is older and not very tech savvy, uh, but we did have to to really learn some technology to uh, get the sermons on Facebook for people to uh, to see since they couldn't come. Um, we started doing a daily devotion because we have a, a prayer chain um, ministry and. So that's an online devotion? It's through the phone. Okay. So every morning, those who want, you know, they get a, a phone call that's anywhere from a minute and a half to two minutes with just a, a scripture and a, a quick quick thought for them to start their, their day. Now that's and something I've not heard of from all the churches yeah. that we've been to. We tried to do that because, well, like I said, there's a lot of people that aren't tech savvy. So they haven't been coming because of, of COVID or for health reasons. But this gives them uh, in touch with, with God's Word through the week. And that's one of the things that the people really appreciate that's come out of uh, this COVID. So it's, they're not only getting in touch with, with God's Word in that way, which we hope they're also reading on their own, <laughs> yeah. but they're getting in touch with you or, the, or their church home if, they're, if they have health issues or whatever. And... Uh, and they're not tech savvy, so they can't watch you on. Maybe they don't, can't watch you on Facebook. They don't have a smart TV. They have what we call a dumb TV, you know, or whatever. And I think that that's good because most churches have just done the things that people. And really, you and I don't consider tech savvy turning on the TV and watching YouTube uh, church service. But for some people, that very much is tech savvy, and yeah. they they have no idea. Uh, how to find that? I've even done podcasts with some preachers who were in uh, in their thirties who had no idea what a podcast was. So that tells you that you know think about the the uh, range of of understanding as you get older and the things that have changed from the time I grew up until sometime during my early ministry. All phones were either dial rotary dial or punch dial. And even when they, uh, even when they changed a little bit, it wasn't that much. And then all of a sudden, we have things changing not only every year, but every six months or every three months, and it's hard to keep up with all that. So it's nice this this idea of what you're doing with the phone. Someone said that kids nowadays would not understand if you told them to roll down their window. You know that that's true. That that's that's very true. They just push a button. They don't know the concept of turning the crank. Yeah, uh, that is so true. So you you went online, and uh, you do video services, and you do a a, a dial out uh, devotional mm-hmm. uh, once a week. Is that what you said? Uh, the, the, the devotional. 
The devotion is is every day. Oh, okay. A week. All right. I'm sorry. So, I missed that. So it has to be less than two minutes. Right. To go through, which has been a little bit of a challenge, you know. <laughs> you why, gotta, what would you say? Because you're a preacher? Is that why? You, you got to get it under two minutes or you, you can't send it. Well, you know, what I've learned through the years is people say, Tom, I, we want you to come and do a devotion. Just a short devotion. won't be much. Just five minutes. I'll take two, three times as long to do that five-minute devotion, writing it, as I would a 20 to 40-minute sermon. Because it's harder for me to say something in five minutes than it is to say it in 30 or 40 minutes. So I admire that, that you, if you're doing that every day, that's When you're on that time limit, you're trying to hurry to get it, and so often you, you screw something up. So yeah. then you have to start all over and do it two or three times before you get it where you can post it. Well, I would guess that COVID has probably been one of your major challenges in your years of ministry and uh, your attendance. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, because you can't go see somebody in the hospital when they're hurting. Yeah. You know, um, and you're afraid to go see somebody in their home uh, because they're sick and they don't they don't want you around potentially uh, giving them something. Right. Um, so that would be one of your, uh, as it has been for all preachers, I think, one of our greatest challenges. But um, do you have any other that just come to mind, any big challenges that you've had to face in ministry through the years that you had to deal with that, that, uh, and I say that without saying names or anything or, but if it's such a situation or dealing with certain situ- type of people or anything that, that was a big challenge to you that God helped you through? Uh, probably like a lot of preachers, the, uh, the big challenges, we've never done it that way before. Or we tried that and it didn't work. We tried it 40 years ago and it didn't work. Yeah. So, well, I can't think of anything else. I, I've, uh, I'm glad to learn these. I've learned some things about you that I didn't know. Uh, and I'll tell you something what I'd like to ask you. And this will be a three-part question and you can answer any one part Two parts or all three? How's that? I'll just make it easy for you. What do you believe or what do you see to be the greatest challenges facing the church, individual Christians, or the ministry slash ministers today in a, coming ahead of us? Uh, in your view, what would be some of the greatest challenges or the greatest challenge that we've got ahead of us right now? Uh, probably complacency. Because so much is, is, you know, getting along, united, we all believe the same thing kind of mentality that has crept into the, to the church to where it's, well, you know, my neighbor doesn't go to church, but that's, that's their choice, you know, uh, kind of thing to people become complacent about, you know, spreading the gospel. I, I find that the, the one time people are least complacent about their non-Christian neighbor, that maybe a good neighbor that they've always cared for, is when they're sitting at the funeral thinking, boy, I, I really should have said something with them, to them about Christ because this really is eternal. Mm-hmm. Life is not eternal on this earth. Life is eternal in heaven or hell. And here I'm faced with it at this funeral. 
that I didn't say anything. I was complacent. And that's not the time to think about your complacency. Now is while that neighbor is still alive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you taking time to share with me today, Brother Randy, and uh, I'm looking forward to many more revivals with you in the future. And I know Greg and Lori are too, and uh, they'll be coming back. Uh, well, we'll be coming back before they are, as it is, stands right now. I think we're coming back in 23. coming with you? Uh, I think that's a strange thing about this ministry, Brother Randy. I think they're coming with me in 25. <laughs> so, and that's Lord willing, like we always say, because who knows, uh, we may not be here. We sure have seen that things change quick in this world. Yeah. If we, if, if you didn't know it before last year, you sure know it now, but, uh, we'll look forward to being with you, uh, again, uh, soon, uh, Lord willing. And then, uh, want to thank our listeners for tuning in with us again. I invite you to be back with us for our next uh, podcast. And until next time, this is Evangelist Tom Weaver saying goodbye and may God pour down his blessings on you like a Mississippi rain.